It's Friday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Casey. And I'm Ashley. And this week we have my brother, uh, who you guys might know a little better as The Jay Wits. Welcome on, Josh. Hello, everybody. And sorry for ruining your show. <laughs> <laughs> we needed just, a break. Just wanted to, just wanted to get that out of there. No, I, I realized immediately people were like, this is not a Nicktoons. The Nicktoons podcast is ruined. I'm doing something else for every Friday for the rest of my life. So to at least compensate to you guys, I do want to say I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, we've done 98 episodes of Nick. It's time for a change, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. This is very greedy of me. This is a subject I've always wanted to talk about, but I have, like, literally no platform to do so. (laughs) So I've latched onto the first thing remotely close to a platform where I can talk about it, the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. Um, But it is actually, I I think it's a pretty interesting story, and it's related to, I know you guys are like super Craig Bartlett stands on the show. So I I think it's going to be fun. Oh yeah, hello everybody. (laughs) I think think that's all you guys needed was a hello there. And it's very Nick, it's Nick adjacent, you know, and we'll get into why that is. Uh, last time though we did discuss an actual Nicktoon episode. Remember that, guys? We we do that sometimes still. Um, we talked about the SpongeBob episode "Chocolate with Nuts," a classic. It sure so was. Clear. Yeah, we realized just how quotable it is. Uh, I would say Ashley might even be more quotable than our most quotable episodes we've discussed before. So maybe we can finally put that to bed. I thought we said the same thing about the training video one, though. We sure did. I would argue both are more quotable than both of our (laughs) originals. So, uh, Regardless, we asked you guys in our Twitter poll, which would you rather have, a pool inside your pool or shoes? And you guys voted 57% a pool inside your pool. This one was more divisive than I thought it would have been. Now, is this assuming that if you don't vote shoes, that you don't own any shoes? Well, that's the question, right? That came up last week. I think we decided no shoes ever. So uh, people people really want their pool inside their pool, I guess. Yeah, I, I went with shoes. I, I can't really tell you why. I just, I just thought it was funny. It was a good line of the episode. It felt like the memes. I thought the memes were going to win out, but... I guess you guys just want fancy pools in your pools. It's fine. I did vote for a pool inside your pool, but Josh, I'm curious how you would have voted on this one. <laughs> I mean, are we, are we talking practically? Like, I, I think a pool inside your pool is certainly sillier. I remember the image <laughs> clear cut in my head. And it's like I a mean, kiddie pool, it, right? It, it's literally just like a circular wall inside of an existing <laughs> pool. But just just the, the mere concept of a pool inside your pool is funnier. But, I mean, if we're talking the real world, I do enjoy my shoes very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is very fair. SpongeBob has shoes, right? He does. Uh, yeah. We, ta- we, what... we were like, does that imply like a wealth disparity between SpongeBob and all his buddies? You know? Uh, I don't yeah, because Patrick's, Patrick's stunned like that that guy has shoes. Like that makes him rich. So I guess I guess SpongeBob's SpongeBob's living you know. living the high life. What do what these say once? The inner machinations of his mind are an enigma. Exactly. <laughs> and granted, I'd rather live under a pineapple than a rock if that was the Twitter poll. So, uh, well, I guess it's I inside guess, of a pineapple, yeah. right? Not under it. Right, just, right. Fair enough. Who lives under a pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> inside the sea. <laughs> uh, 
we're going to the Spongebob musical in a few weeks, and we're so excited. Oh, boy. I've already seen it, and it's got my stamp of approval, so that's so going to be a good So I know you're, like, big on the Broadway lifestyle. I've, I have some friends who are telling me it can, like, maybe legitimately win a Tony, and I can't tell if they're being funny or not. It, um, okay, I think Ethan Slate could win. He's SpongeBob. He's so good. It's a really weak season overall, you know? That's, well, that's, that was the part of the context in it. Yeah. Right, right. So the other four, three are The Band's Visit, which I think will win. It was great. And then there's Mean Girls in Frozen, which, you know, great original movies, but supposedly aren't doing much uh, in the musical. So Ashley will get to decide for herself how she feels because we've debated Nicktoons singing for a long time now, and it's something Ashley's not on board with. So I just don't <laughs> like musical episodes. I typically... Sure, no, I, I've always been in that camp too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just don't, they don't do it for me, but we'll see. Maybe... If the whole thing's a musical, maybe it'll it'll work better for me. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be an oh, experience boy. nonetheless. Totally. Are we getting that for the podcast when that happens? We think so. Yeah, we, we think, think so. Although, I guess do. that's one thing the viewers can't watch beforehand. But it's yeah, still something. That's... But for those of us who can't afford the trip to New York, mm-hmm. who would maybe like to live vicariously, yeah, I would be Yeah, interested. we'll talk about it spoiler-free yeah. for sure. And but, now i got to tip off the stage manager so that that night we hear, you know, before this evening's performance, we would like to welcome Casey and Ashley from the Friday Night Nicktoons <laughs> podcast and get polite applause from the Nicktoon audience. Wow. <laughs> That's, be, not be our big, That's not our big happening. That's not happening. I was going to say, um, the, the, the amount of like talent behind the songwriting really oh my god me. yeah and they um, work they and the music supervisor wrote next to normal and he is a genius so he really makes it all sound like one show that's why it works i think hmm. yeah so we'll we'll have thoughts on that one in a bit but right now guys we are going to be talking about our thoughts about the the potentially podcast ruining party <laughs> wagon here uh it's a uh, craig bartlett movie pilot situation that was on Cartoon Network originally. Josh will talk a little bit about the history when we start up, but I'm I'm actually really excited to get a chance to dig into something a little different. Definitely a different vibe than most of what we talk about on the show. Totally. We have lots to discuss on this one. But for now, follow us on Twitter at FNN underscore podcast. Facebook, facebook.com slash FNN podcast. Give us those Apple podcast reviews. And uh, we have a YouTube page now, so be sure to check that out. And hopefully, you know, Josh's audience will be able to find us there on YouTube, since that seems to be where people live now. And every once in a while, uh, I crawl out of my my YouTube hole, but it is still my big bread and butter. Hmm. So that's where I spend my time creating and consuming most media. Totally. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now let's get started. From the Nicktoon Animation Studio in Hollywood. Hollywood, 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 Hollywood. guys so like ashley said we'll be discussing party wagon the tv movie pilot whatever that means we'll get into definitions this one aired on february 27th 2004 and this one uh the movie takes place during the days of the oregon trail and it follows randall p mcduff a homeless teenager on the run after he ran out on his wedding 
and obviously can't go back for fear of repercussions from the bride's family. While trying to cross a river, he meets wagon owner Bumpy Snits, his daughter Ornery Sue, rambunctious cowgirls Sublimey Jill, and travelers Romeo Jones and Lewis Clark Jefferson. It is a cast of characters, let me tell you. I believe Sublimey that's uh, Jill. Subliminy Jill, right? Oh goodness, Sublimity. I don't know what happened. <laughs> All right, Subliminy Jill. Well, you're telling you're telling me how people grill you for like saying the names. Wrong. <laughs> I can't read like, five names. Subliminy Jill. I wasn't sure if, it, if I was supposed to. If I was supposed to. You make know what? Deal. I'm just gonna leave it, guys. No, I'm just gonna leave I it in there. I was so ready to pounce on her. Yeah, we're. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, you can man. have your. All right. Yeah, so Josh, why don't you give us set the stage for us a little bit here? Sure thing. So, like I said, I I wanted to at least have this be remotely Nickelodeon related, and the big relation, at least creation wise, all comes from Craig Bartlett. As you guys know, big creator of Hey Arnold did a lot of work on Nickelodeon during that era, but after they finished that first movie, he really struggled to get his sort of like big dream project going which was that jungle movie um they tried to get the show to keep going tried to get that sort of big satisfying conclusion and it just didn't happen now when i originally proposed this episode it was like years ago and the jungle movie hadn't actually happened yet so it's even funnier in context of him eventually coming back to nickelodeon but uh he left and still wanted to create new projects, still wanted to animate. And he followed Linda Semensky, who uh, did big work for Nickelodeon and then moved to Cartoon Network in 1995. So he followed her and said, hey, I've got a pitch for you. This is my show. It's sort of like that 1870s show. <laughs> Even though the show, <laughs> that, that was his, his words, not mine. That's awesome. Um, the show, even though it is, set in the 1850s he was sort of just uh what liked this idea of like a group of misfits you know like the 70s show um but set back in sort of like the big exploration era of america that you know oregon trail gold rush era he felt like it could give you a lot of ridiculous circumstances a lot of uh fun things you can do you can poke fun at america's revisionist history you can talk about, you know, like the really hard living conditions, but still put it in this comedic frame. And overall, the animation, the first thing you guys, I'm sure, have noticed when watching it is it just looks like Hey Arnold. Mm -hmm. It is like almost identical character styles. He uses different shapes for the characters' faces, but the <laughs> usual, you know, like the face structure, the eyes, uh, it, it just looks like they took Hey Arnold and wrote it in a different era. And even some of the characters have uh, bleed over as well, which we'll get to in a, in a moment. But anyway, he wanted to create this as a show, as a series. First, they made him write one pilot episode. And then they said, you know what? Uh, we can get two more pilot episodes and you can string them all together for a three pilot movie. Uh, but we're not ready to pick up the show yet. So he put this movie together, which ended up airing in 2004. But amidst all kinds of other problems, it was never really picked up. And it's actually rare. For most Cartoon Network like movie debuts, they ended up getting like a DVD or a VHS, depending on what time they were released. And most were picked up as shows. This is a rare one that wasn't picked up at all. I think it only aired two times on national television 
Well, you know what I mean. It aired two mm-hmm. times, like, nationally here. I saw that. And That's nuts. it's really hard to even get a copy of it. <laughs> it wasn't until around 2012 when someone finally shared, like, a home video recording that they had of it. And it really started circulating again. And that's when I was able to watch it again for the first time in almost a decade. And it's really, uh, it, it's an interesting trek for sure. The other bleed over it has from Nickelodeon are a handful of voice actors and actresses. Um, of course, Dan Castellanata, Dan Homer Simpson, who voices a bit of everything. Uh, and he's in there as Wild Bill. Um, Pamela Hayden, who plays like, the most minor role in Hey Arnold. She plays Connie, <laughs> the uh, the sixth grader. Uh, she plays Sublimity Jill in a much bigger role. And uh, one a really fun one for me was the Wagon Master's wife uh, is Carolyn Lawrence, who you guys know better as Cindy Vortex. Wow. Would yeah, just, I didn't even catch would that. Would not have picked up on that, yeah. Also a handful of newcomers uh, came for this. Young 12-year-old Josh Hutchinson <laughs> before becoming the teenage heartthrob? Regular heartthrob? Well, he's not teenage anymore. But you know, it's someone's yeah. heart is throbbing for him. <laughs> uh, he plays young Toad. It's just funny because he's like the youngest character in the show. And our main character, uh, as we sort of talk about the actual story of this thing, Randall McDuff, uh, voiced by Sean Astin, before any Lord of the Rings movie had officially aired, uh, officially debuted. So they had, like, finished up recording. They, like, recorded them all at the same time. Um, But they hadn't actually, like, debuted any of them in theaters. So it was kind of funny. Uh, Craig was talking with Sean, like, about the movie before it had come out yet. So he wasn't famous yet. This was his first voice acting role. But I actually thought he did a really good job. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty strong cast going, and I mean that's it's one of the big things you've always got to love about uh, Hey Arnold, right? And that it's nice to see bleed over here is just all the fun characters, all the fun voices, just I don't know. There's there's a fun cast going on, and it's it's wild. It's a wild ride, guys. Oh, it's it's wild, all right, and set. In the Wild West, one really big distinction between this and Hey Arnold is that you can tell he wanted to push the movie in a much more, or the show, whatever it would have ended up being, uh, in a more adult direction. I think they definitely pushed the boundary in a lot of ways that, even for Hey Arnold, which every once in a while does make, you know, like a crass joke, um, this one took it a little bit farther than that, even for some Cartoon Network censorship. Um... There was some some pretty heavy like innuendo throughout it. There sure is, and I actually found it was significantly funnier than Hey Arnold for me. Like I love Hey Arnold, but I don't really go to it for the the big laughs. And I thought this one pretty consistently delivered with the especially the physical jokes. They just kept coming. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, hey Arnold is it's not our comedy usually, but. You know, it's it's fun to see it's fun to see a different tone going on, right? It's a little less serious than Hey Arnold. I mean, I guess depending on the time, but definitely sure. agree it's 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 a bit of an older audience, a little bit more I don't even know. I don't even know, but the setting That's, itself is just ridiculous. 
that's that's what's weird about Party Wagon too. Is I like aside from Hey Arnold, which obviously like they're similar, you know, like editing and design. I don't know what you even compare Party Wagon to. It's this mm. really strange piece of animation that sort of exists in this vortex of 2004. Never got built upon. Never got expanded. It just is what it is. This one little animated movie. And I feel like you don't often have things like that, like a movie that's just its own original characters and then it's gone. At yeah, least so in terms of like the the TV big big cartoon network Nickelodeon movies, they usually dealt with, you know, your existing characters or if it's a pilot it gets picked up and becomes a show. Instead, the only thing we have to talk about with Party Wagon is Party Wagon. That's true. And yeah, it's that's not Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon style, right? They want to monetize everything. They want to turn things into like a legacy. And I don't and maybe because we can't pin it down to what it is. We're like, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know what to compare it to. Maybe sure. that's why they didn't take a gamble on it. And I'm not saying it's right. But I wonder if they were afraid. They're like, we have no precedent for something like this. And we have no clue how it's gonna do. It's very experimental. I, f I feel like this is the kind of work most artists make, you know, when their back's at the wall, or maybe, like, in Craig's case, he just finished, you know, this big, long, somewhat stressful relationship with Nickelodeon mm -hmm. on Hey Arnold. So he's like, I want to do my own thing. I want to explore. I want to work with more watercolors in the backgrounds. That was a big thing he wanted to do. Hmm. I want to make this weird adult show. Like, it's a show that he clearly really wanted to make but it's like you said it's not super marketable in terms of like can we make toys from this right. are these characters instantly recognizable from a million miles away um and it, it's just so weird to me but i think that's what makes it so fun and refreshing too yeah what made it work for me was the character writing i just was immediate it's like you get who these people are but there are still surprises about them along the way i think the group kind of completes each other uh the banter is top notch because like you don't you think of like grapes of wrath and you think of all these sad boring journeys on the <laughs> oregon trail you don't think about how much bickering must have gone on you know how people would have gotten sick of each other over the months of traveling so, yeah, I, I almost like how your main party, even though they're friends, they're, like, set up as sort of, like, enemies. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole, like, framing of the show is that they all have a small, different piece of a treasure map. And they make a rule where they can only see it when everybody comes together and shows the piece at the same time. So and only... everyone, like, naturally doesn't trust each other throughout most of the show. Only on Which... Thursday nights specifically. It's like this whole ritual situation. It's great. It's great. And I love the name. The Glitterado Exploration Expedition. It just flows so nicely. <laughs> yeah, only, you know, seven, eight, nine syllables. Yeah, right. It's long. It's long. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's evocative, you know, and Glitterado is a great it's name. It's <laughs> <laughs> I So my favorite character on all this, just to sort of kick off, I guess, is... Uh, uh uh sublimity jill she i think she's amazing our first kind of taste of her is her just eviscerating all of these men constantly she goes she it seems like she's flirting with randall and she goes i ain't sweet on ya i just kind of pity you <laughs> it's so brutal and she's uh 
the only character that seems immune to uh, Romeo Jones's charm. Yes. She just kind of laughs him off. She's certainly, you know, it's funny you saw, kind of reminds me of a Sandy Cheeks, but Sandy Cheeks' voice actors actually voices Sue. Right, is, right. <laughs> so, but, you know, like like that kind of, you know, like uh, rootin' tootin' cowgirl, um, <laughs> super strong, good with guns. Speaking of guns, there are so many guns in this show. There sure are. <laughs> like, well, from the very beginning, you have Brandel escaping this, like, shotgun wedding i don't even know if you can call that just everybody shooting at each other wedding <laughs> um, there's just I, I, there's a big story arc of him trying to learn how to use a gun everyone has a gun you know like she's got two pistols um like even beyond like you know the more comical canon stuff there are a lot of firearms in the show yes which i feel like would maybe not fly as well today yeah i'm not yeah. sure like, it, I just feel like most, you know, like, children's programming, if they talk about guns, it is either, like, really over-the-top, like, laser guns, or you go, like, the static shock route, where you talk about it, like, in an extremely serious way. Very right, special right. episode. Well, like, so 2004, even then and earlier, my parents weren't very strict with us, but, like, we could not play as Star Fox in Smash Bros. because we had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> you, like you guns couldn't do were just Final Destination Fox only. <laughs> yeah, every, I mean everyone. <laughs> what about the item? What kind of guys... distinction is that? Like they they really drew the line in the sand. Like you can play as Mario, but the second they see you, so like the Fox character. Yeah, that's what Did it was. You... It would be like my mom realized that he had a gun, and she was like, "Nope, can't do that. You can play as any of the other seven because there were only eight at the time before you unlock." Uh, yeah, fireballs you... were fine, you know, kicking was fine, it was just guns. Oh what about God. the, could you, did you have to, like, turn off the, the gun items as well? Because there's a couple no, of them No, I don't think there. she ever realized that there were gun items. That's a good okay. point, though. Okay, guess you got, you got away with that one. But so, so even in 2004, I think, and obviously that's just a weird niche thing of, like, my <laughs> family, but I think, like... Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's something we can all relate to. <laughs> But, like, I will say, because I think this would have been fine for me in my, like, young childhood because it's so of an era. Like, to me, it doesn't really encourage modern gun use, you know? It's so antiquated. Sure. But, yeah, I don't know. But uh, back to Sublimity Jill, definitely, <laughs> like, an, an interesting, strong character. She's weird in that she doesn't, like, she's of this age where she's not an adult but she's like clearly well into adulthood we'll get to that when we get to her sort of plot arc but she definitely is this uh the big i would say female lead of the show mm -hmm. um also i don't know how to say this up being weird but she's clearly like i feel like the curviest character craig bartlett That's has ever true. drawn that is very she true looks a little out of place in that sense um but i guess that's what they're going for is like the big female action hero mm -hmm. i don't femme fatale whatever you want to call her yeah we're definitely i think meant to ask like is she gonna end up with one of these guys like it seems like one of those it's an old musical theater trope too you know the strong independent woman who doesn't need a man ultimately finds one and i kind of like that sure. they resist that a bit in this a bit eventually yeah. they get there but right, but it's still her... a little open ended, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe they wanted to they wanted to keep you watching, right? For right, the, right. For the rest of the series. But on on her own, though, she definitely is 
I would say the most capable character of mm-hmm. our main group. Um, combat tested. She bests, you know, the wild Bill Hickok. She's destroying everyone in poker. Um, I, I just think she's like a really fun, like experienced role in the group. She's usually, you know, helping people, like you said, helping Randall because she pities him. Um, and there's a definitely a funny relationship between her and Randall. He's oh. this young 16-year-old kid. He's His character blushes, like, every time he's next to her. Um, <laughs> yeah. And her the back slaps really got me, too. Like, her main character trait is slapping people really hard on the back, and I love it. Oh, shoot! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, aggressively, like, too much. <sighs> yeah, she's, she's a heck of a lot of fun. I do want to talk... And, and Casey and I talked about this for a quick second earlier, but um, Randall does not look or act 16. No. Right? Do we all agree on that one? Or sound 16? You mean older? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's sure. got to be at least a little bit older than that, right? I don't know. Well, he certainly is mature in terms of, I, like, book smarts. You know, he's one of the few people, like, there's, there's a lot of characters who are like, wow, you can read and write. You know, uh, he's... One of the few that understands what on earth Ornery Sue is saying, um, who only speaks in Shakespearean. Um, but he knows nothing of this, like, wild country, how to, you know, preserve. He's He thinks it's really yucky when you have to, you know, like, skin and cook a rabbit or whatever. Uh, and they have a really funny conversation about it. He's like, I'd never kill an animal. And Sue's like, yeah, but you'd eat one. <laughs> yeah, when they're when they're less rabbit looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. Yeah, I also like that he's he's smart enough to read and write, but apparently not smart enough to realize that he can't actually send a letter from the Oregon Trail. <laughs> he was like, is there a way for me to mail this? Like, yeah. what? My favorite that's, quote. That's our from way his... for us to like get the character narration. But I like they call it out like, oh, yeah, you can't just UPS these. Yeah, that was <laughs> funny. Or I, My favorite line from the letter is he says, did I forget to mention that I'm completely destitute? Please, Please send, send money. I wonder if we would one. have eventually met this aunt character if the show had ended oh, up Oh, I'll bet you're right. She would just be this invisible, you know, audience mm. to listen to his letters. Right. I do like that format, though. I don't know what it is about it, um, where he every once in a while, you know, like, will speak his personal thoughts. But it's very as it, told by Ginger. Yes, gives us the as told by Randall yeah. experience, <laughs> or just Randall in the case of Doug. You know, it's kind of a sim a similar device there oh so i'm interested the t- i was waiting for the title drop and then it happens and it's kind of funny that it's actually disparaging like it's making fun of them yeah it's not good to be the party wagon you, you know what it is exactly is it's animal house they're you know the, literally even the same way instead of yelling animal house it's party wagon <laughs> they're the, the group of, of troublemakers having too good of a time <laughs> making too much noise, breaking the system. And I do think it's funny, too, because a lot of the times you go and you see the, the main wagon master's cabin, and I I don't know if they explicitly say it, but it's clearly, like, religiously charged in some way. 
But you see these uh, kids, they're trying to like get out of their moral duties so that they can go and enjoy the debauchery of poker or whatever <laughs> on earth Lewis Clark Jefferson's liquid concoction was. Which they specify is oh not alcohol. God. Tonic water. Yeah, but they're all tripping out. <laughs> right, yeah, there's a, a tonic like, I can see my eyes or something. I can't see my hands. Something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a wild experience, honestly. Great. The show does an excellent job depicting the sort of saloon life. Like, just whatever the sort of party life is in the 1850s it does a great job making that look really fun and really dangerous yeah they're uh like even when they do something as harmless as like oh yeah let's go dive into the water they get covered in leeches oh. uh, which uh eventually though remember uh the um the wagon master looks back on that with yeah. fond memories right like, did, I, did i miss an innuendo there i was a little confused by that i thought it was just random i thought it was just supposed to be funny like i don't he's know just, if there's much justification for it he's just just a weird guy like like he's been stern the whole time but he had a really good time being covered in leeches right but we see yeah, that he didn't yeah it doesn't make sense <laughs> Oh, there, can we talk about the Skylar sisters? The three. They basically look like the Skylar sisters from Hamilton and from history, you know. Um, sure. The, 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 are they daughters of. It's like one family, right? In the they, other way. Yeah, they are. There's the, which is even funnier because I didn't realize it at first. You have the three daughters who are constantly swooning over Romeo. And in many ways, Romeo is the only reason the party wagon even gets to remain in the main convoy. Yeah, is they really they really want to get with Romeo and that lets him off the hook. But what really ties it together is his wife is also in on this. There's one scene where his wife like throws the three daughters aside, like literally knocks them over so that she can be closer to Romeo. Not faithful at all. Um, but I think that's kind of what it's the joke. But she continues to get like more and more desperate or more and more like heavy handed to him. She says something, I don't remember the exact quote, but she's like, yes, let's absolutely let him back onto our wagon. We should forgive those who are unfaithful to the cause. And he just straight up says, like, not quite sure where you're getting at with this, but sure. Like, he's just <laughs> oblivious. Right, right. They also mention Manifest Destiny a lot, which was really interesting. They definitely, like you said when you set this up, that they tried to sort of show the revisionist history a little bit and like oh they yeah there was one line that really got me um so they they make their way up to seattle and he's talking um the wagon master wet manifest destiny you know like oh wow we'll create a great city here the first one ever and one of the kids is like yeah but what about that indian reservation over there and he's like oh yeah we can move that they can oh. be moved it was like yeah. something like underhand but like really awful right. yeah I was but i like that they're even calling attention to it yeah uh, i was worried it would go to a weird place when we saw the native american people for a second and then it ended up just being a really funny one-off joke where he goes that fiddle player is pretty good and the other one goes yeah listen to the notes he's not playing which is like <laughs> a jazz sort of idiom yes. of like a good soloist knows when to lay off you know i thought that was so funny that, that was also my favorite scene of the entire thing, is uh, when the party wagon has its sort of first party. They yeah. do this great thing where everyone's playing, like, uh, 
a silly instrument one way or another, either unintentionally or intentionally. I think at first the um, the old man he's just like brushing a wheel or something, and then yeah, it, I think he's he's got like the washboard or something going on. It's bumpy, yeah, and he's it becomes this big like song, but there's no. As Ashley hates, there's no cartoon singing. Right, right. It's <laughs> yeah, just it's all instrumental. Just a bluegrass jam fest. Yeah, I yeah. was here for it. I got I got pumped during that, honestly. Like I was like, man, I wanna I wanna be by a campfire right now. I wanna be on the Oregon Trail. I wanna be I wanna be in the party wagon. It it really did set the set the mood. I was listening. I will say that it does set the mood for playing the Oregon Trail video game. <laughs> Which I, I've, I really I've never played up. it. I I need I want to now. Die of dysentery. But yeah, it's a classic. As I was watching this, I was like, God, this has got to be a Jim Lang score. And I'm not some detective. Like, obviously, composers work with showrunners all the time. But I was like, it's not jazzy at all. But it really, it's used in a very similar way to Hey Arnold. The jokes kind of have a little sting to it. But it's not quite a Guy Moon sting, which is very over the top in yeah. Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom. But I, I looked it up and it said Craig Bartlett did the music. And I was like, that can't be right. And I looked further and it was Jim Lang. So that I was totally going makes to say, sense. okay, that makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. and that—that's what I, like the comedic timing and the stings, like they, you know, they make little notes to emphasize like weird moments or whatever. Right, but it's not your—it's it. not your womp womp, you know, at a fairly right. odd parents joke or whatever. It's like just subtle enough. That's that's really interesting, and I love Jim Lang stuff from oh, the Arnold. Oh man, he's he great. makes that he makes that show, and I guess if this was a show. You could argue he makes this one, or at the very least, made my favorite moment. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So where do we want to go talking about... Uh, I realize we've, we've, like, jumped in, <laughs> talked about characters or not. Yeah, we've not talked about the plot. We let's talk, talk about, about that Bill. core plot. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so, obviously, uh, the whole plot is this weird ragtag group. They're trying to find hidden treasure. They stumble across a map, but the way they stumble across it is super weird. They basically, they're on this rafting service together. Everything's going haywire. Everyone's drowning. And one of the members, Three-Eyed Jack, says like, "If Well, if we're all going to die here, I might as well tell you, here's the map to my treasure. If one of us survives, go find the treasure. And then they all sort of get split up their separate ways. And what becomes a really long returning comedy bit, it's assumed that Three-Eyed Jack dies here. Oh, it's actually, it's, I loved this. It's a Bumpy, I think, says it. He's like, he's gone, gone to the great beyond. And we see him in the river still, like, struggling. (laughs) He's like in shot, falling down and screaming. Okay, now he's dead. That yeah. was so funny. <laughs> now he's gone. And yeah, Bumpy keeps having these recurring visions that he's still alive, which are never really explained, but it's fine. It's, yeah, I don't know if it's just, like, Paranoia. their way. Yeah. They had, like, no segue to reintroduce Three-Eyed Jack between episode one and episode two. And I, I don't know, I, I assume episode one was written independently of two and three. Hmm. I'm, the way that it sounded when I was, like, reading the way that this was produced is, like, he had the one pilot which was just supposed to be like a single pilot episode and they said you can make two more and make it a movie so maybe they, then they had to sort of like rope it in i i don't know exactly it and it flows but, nicely it doesn't feel like three episodes smushed together no yeah and it, 
Yeah, what I like too is that uh, there is sort of like a building plot as we meet characters and situations. It doesn't feel like one-off episodes like most cartoons of its time. Right. It would have been exciting to have a show that sort of flowed with a narrative. Yeah. But those are also a lot harder to do because a lot of the viewership for cartoons is, you know, just people like sitting down and watching reruns. It would have been hard to like sort of jump into the middle of the story. That's true. But uh, so 3i Jack, here's where I start getting a little confused. I, I was watching it like more intently than ever this time, trying to figure it out exactly. 3i Jack dies but doesn't die. And so when he comes back, he's really mad and wants to get back to his own treasure first before these other people. Did he give them his map out of like the actual goodness of his heart? Did he actually think they were going to die? Or was this part of some bigger setup? Like, I'm confused why he's so mad, because he's the one that gave the map out in the first place. Yeah, you know, it's not entirely clear. <laughs> um, yeah. He's he's definitely out to get them, though, afterwards. He's definitely... Uh, yes. Established villain. And, you know... Yeah, it, it is weird knowing that it's his map. I mean, if they stole it or something, it would make sense, right? Maybe sure. we're supposed to forget that part by the time that you get this far in. I yeah, that's what I was wondering. That's that's what I was wondering. Maybe the way that they connected the episodes, like I was just so confused because Three Eye Jack literally just gave him the map and told him about El Glitterado. Maybe there's something I missed. Maybe on my tenth viewing, I'll find something that I haven't on the ninth. But that always perplexes me. Yeah, no, he's... I think he's the weakest part of the show. And Dan Castellaneta is great in it. Uh, he sounds a little too much like Grandpa Phil for me, and it's like, oh, it's weird hearing him as a villain, you know. But I, yeah, I, it's it, he's certainly a funny character, and they need something to keep them going, right? But it's. Yeah, you wonder why he's so angry. <laughs> you know, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, he, he's sort of like, at the beginning, you think the wagon master is sort of the villain. You know, he's the fun hater. But then they're also like, okay, well, here's also a, a regular villain. A, you know, big bad guy at the end that you have to fight. Right. Yeah, and... Uh... Presumably, he keeps showing up in the future somewhere, right? It seems like there's there's more of him to come, right, at the, at the end yeah. of this. Even that's tied up in sort of a ridiculous way where he's like, all right, I got another map with even bigger treasure. Follow me again. <laughs> Craig Bartlett in... loves maps. <laughs> oh, I man, found yeah, a map. I found yeah, a map, it's... yeah. <sighs> um, I do like... Um, Talking about everything going wrong on that boat, we have this guy, uh, Wall-Eyed Tom, I guess is his name. He's this funny. crazy oh, he's old man. Great. He I might love that be character. my favorite, but I, I'm thinking maybe even him, like, because he's on this boat, and then they later find him in a saloon, and they're like, hey, didn't you die in that river? And he's like, no, I would have remembered drowning, so. <laughs> you know, he kind of says it like the guy in the episode we talked about last week, I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i almost wonder if like he was in that first pilot episode and they like weren't really sure if they wanted to keep him along and then they were like you know let's yeah, let's bring him back him let's ignore bar. that whole drowning thing yeah. he, but mention he, it <laughs> I, what i like too is like his craziness can be like bought off like uh three eye jack comes in he's like you know have you seen the party wagon do you know these people like nope can't can't recall he's like we were all on the same raft together you should remember uh, i have no recollection and then he just 
piles like a bunch of jewels into his lap and then immediately he has like photographic memory like he just starts rattling off every detail oh yeah i guess i do remember his daughter who only speaks in shakespeare he's like going off on all this he's uh definitely a weird is awesome too they're all great ornery sue uh bumpy snips which is is that his name yes yeah there's there's so many weird names um the one of the kids name is toad oh yeah yeah we don't really talk about the orphans we got billy millie you know who is hiding the fact that she's a girl we got some dramatic irony there where randall tells her to be a man and she says but i'm not a man and he thinks that she's just sort of scared you know but we know the truth as the audience i i like her scene with uh sublimity jill as well when she oh that was great does her reveal is actually just like a nice conversation sublimity's like us girls got to stick together and billy sort of confides in her oh and i i got feelings for randall um which sort of completes our very strange love <laughs> triangle multi-generational love multi-generational so we have randall who's supposed to be 16 i think billy's supposed to be like 10 or 11 yeah that sounds about right sublimity jill very specifically is 27 years old um so is there like a 50 year old man that uh that jill is in love with (laughs) who's then in love with like a hundred year old (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's it certainly is this weird situation where there's someone who is way too old and way too young you could maybe even mix ordinary sue in there although i don't know if it's romantic but there's certainly just a good tender moment between randall and ordinary sue yeah about king lear (laughs) talking about king lear which i really enjoyed but yeah there's definitely this this strange age gap and what is going to happen with it i believe in an interview craig mentioned like oh in the future i would have loved to do like a time skip in the show and randall meets billy but she's in a dress and he doesn't recognize her because she's 16 now um that that could have been an interesting follow-up to it you know like he had all these ideas of do these characters age what's you know sort of the next step but on her own billy and toad are perfectly capable despite their young age toad's the best cook the best chef there and they have uh, an billy, important role they get them to seattle that's all they're doing yeah they they set up the manifest destiny yeah the fake skip, angel whatever you want to call that yeah i was joking i was like uh josh i think i think that's what happened to you like go to seattle <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you did you know i i actually i didn't need a an angel to tell me to get out of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> Same. That is no manifest destiny. Although yeah. there was a when they leave Seattle, it kind of it was like a gut punch. They're like, it's too dark and depressing oh. here. No one likes Seattle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, the like, modern jokes were really funny. Like there, there's like nothing but coffee shops in like the downtown. Oh, whatever. Literally, uh, Starbucks. There's <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. There was a Seattle's best. You know. Although in a way, the three of us are sort of a manifest destiny in it of itself. Right. We're as spread out as we could possibly be. Yeah, I'm the only one that that kind of stayed put thus far. But yeah. you know. Yeah, but you. You're only there, like, half the time anyway. That's true, yeah, that's yeah. true. But, but either way, I definitely did relate to that of, you know, like, <laughs> getting out into the West. And when I hear that, you know, they're talking about, like, San Francisco, where I lived in yeah. Seattle. I can't help but have, you know, like, a soft spot for a show like that. Even though it's hundreds of years before I showed up. 
it's certainly like just just hearing things or seeing you know like early Seattle and stuff. Yeah, yeah and I think hearing about the gold rush. Didn't Craig Bartlett live in Seattle or something? I, I feel like he had some that, Seattle connection. I, I don't want to lie to you. I'm so pretty sure he did because we've I'm done this to... for trivia so many times. Yeah, I thought it was related to Hey Arnold too. I thought he like kind of based. Yeah. Yep. Born in Seattle, Washington. Oh, so there we go. Ashley and I sort are also on a depreciating Seattle humor probably right. comes from a soft spot as well. Ashley and I are going to find Stoop Kids Stoop in Brooklyn, too. We're going to just designate one. <laughs> yeah, we decided. We're going to find, we're gonna find a nice stoop, stoop <laughs> and it's going to be what we decide is Stoop Kids Stoop. <laughs> but regardless, can we... So the last kind of thing, I feel like we're, we've covered most of what I wanted to talk about, at least. Maybe if you guys have more. But this last beat is kind of hilarious. That Them using the wagons basically as cars... Uh, yeah, or as combat vehicles. Yes. <laughs> when they're doing their final game of chicken or whatever. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was like almost straight out of Speed Racer, where they're like, oh, pull the lever, and then your car has the springy wheels. That just was Speed Racer. I wonder if that was an intentional homage or not. Um, but yeah, it definitely does get a lot sillier toward the end. Yeah, it does. It, But it's... It, it's fun. It's just fun the whole way through. And honestly, yes. I just felt like it was it was very watchable. I don't know how else to put it. Sometimes made for TV movies, cartoon movies, they don't really have enough content to keep it going. Right. This one keeps rolling the whole way through. There's all these random little side characters, these little side moments, right? Like we get the gun training and we get the saloon and we get like, it just keeps, it keeps going. Like you, I don't know. I just, I do feel like it would have made a fun show like i feel like there was a lot more content that they had ready to go but i'm glad we at least got this taste of it for sure i think that's sort of the tragedy of party wagon is that it's the story of what could have been you know you by the time you're done you've gotten a taste for these characters and you want to know where they're headed next and we'll never know and this sort of became i guess for a long time this recurring craig bartlett story of like not being able to finish the stories that he wanted to tell um, first it was the jungle movie, and then it was here, and then one million years later, I guess Skyrat gets canceled or whatever. Mm. Um, all of all of his projects never seem to get to tell that satisfying conclusion. Um, until you know, like how how many years? Over a decade, almost yeah. fifteen years after this, he finally got to conclude Hey Arnold. And it was great. We we did a whole episode on it, really too, and. I'm, I was so glad he got that, and I hope he has another hit show again soon, because he certainly deserves it. Sure, and I know he's he's worked with uh, children's programming for a long time and had a lot of hits there, mm-hmm. um, but I think he's sort of working on that next project, and I think it says a lot about like the kind of project he wanted to make uh, when they were talking about the production or as he was trying to sort of push forward with Party Wagon. Um, a big struggle for him is he loved traditional animation making what he called full-size animation which is very expensive a lot of hand-drawn stuff computer animation isn't fully adapted here in 2004 but uh he was talking with the people behind adult swim trying to see if he could get a show there on that block but they said we only have the budget for flash and he wasn't interested at, at least at the time in making a show in flash and it's really interesting to me because nowadays almost everything are these cheaper uh more concise animated flash tunes uh where you don't necessarily get to see all the 
big details that you do for a show like Party Wagon or like all the hand-drawn stuff uh, because it's just more economically feasible. Right. So it's also kind of the end of this era of big traditional animation in cartoons. And it exists for a little while longer. Same with like, you know, traditionally animated Disney, but five years or so afterward, it doesn't really exist as much, which is kind of sad. Yeah, the attention to detail is really lovely, and it's not the most technically beautiful looking show ever, but it's it's very human and in a kind of classy chupo way. Although it's certainly, I think, better art. Uh, that's that, okay. It's it, classy chupo is so stylized, but it's more traditionally like palatable, I think, and it looks great. Um, I love the backgrounds. You mentioning the watercolor thing totally makes sense. It really all looked fleshed out. Overall, I really enjoyed this one. I didn't buy everything about the ending, but knowing that they <laughs> hoped it would continue, I can forgive some of that. You know, they weren't trying to make a uh, a closed loop, so to say. Yeah, the, the narrative is a little, you know, dangling a carrot in front of the viewer's nose. And I'm sure, you know, if you're trying to make a show like this for television, I'm sure that would have been a recurring joke. There's always some bigger, badder villain with a True. bigger That's, treasure That would have been funny, yeah. I also, right at the conclusion, I really got that Hey Arnold feeling where uh, they find all these gems, right? And Randall's like, we can't take these for ourselves. We need to return them to the authorities. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. And that was re Such reminded me a lot move. of even the Hey Arnold episode. They find like the counterfeit pennies or whatever, um, where he's sort of this moral center of the group trying to do what's right. Gabe really brought me back to that era. Yeah, we watched that one. Was that the Weez and Ed episode? Weez and Ed, yeah. Yep, yeah. Weez and Ed. Yeah. But the, uh... Kind of, the, the villain kind of reminded me of that kind of a style of a person in a weird way. I don't know, just like this weird guy keeping creeping around, keeping all the treasure yeah. loaded he's, away. He's pretty He's a little grotesque. bit smarter than Weez and Ed counterfeiting pennies, though, so... <laughs> True. No, I mean, I guess he... Well, Weez and Ed doesn't counterfeit the pennies. What are That's the, those other guys. The Weez and two. Ed's the legend. And then right. Oh, the you're two, right, you're right. That's true. The two guys who are... But, I don't I don't remember their names. But Gerald's depiction of Weez and Ed is sort of this grotesque, hunched, you know, kind of similar figure. I, I like the guy as a character. I just have to think as a plot device, he wasn't the strongest. Now, the, the real highlight of the show is just... I think the party wagon's interaction with the regular wagon. Yes, yes. The, sort of the norm versus the crazy, the, the misfits, and how they can still fit in while being their ridiculous self. Still have, have this group of, like, vastly differently aged characters and different backgrounds and even different dialects when it comes to, like, ornery Sue uh, and seeing them mash together. It's this weird misfit family, but... It, it, and then that itself reminds me so much of Hey Arnold, the way you have the boarding house and yeah. all the different people there. That's, That's kind of funny, too. It's, it's this weird misfit thing, and it kind of makes for this weird misfit movie, right? In this weird <laughs> situation. Like, it is, it is this random one-off thing that just doesn't really fit in anywhere else, but it's, it's lovable and... Uh, if, if anything, I'm hoping that this episode can tell more people about Party Wagon and have them check it out. Uh, unfortunately, there there is just no legitimate, quote-unquote, legitimate way to watch it. 
It was never released on any real media, but thankfully, I guess because it was never picked up for pilot, I don't think anyone's going to care if you watch this on an online stream. Right. Um, there are there are links, you know, just search Party Wagon Stream, you can find it. Um, but I, I, I encourage checking it out, if anything, just to see this sort of weird end of an era, in a way, the end of Craig Bartlett's traditional 2D animation directing. Um until Jungle Movie. Everything's until Jungle Movie now. All the Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, if anything, you know, seeing this last big movie that he made before making his crazy comeback. And I still, I like to feel like there are some things that are definitely inspired. Like uh, the extreme violence in Jungle Movie, I feel like, you know, sort of comes from the place of Party Wagon. Totally. Where they were more cool with. Yeah, when they're in the wild in the jungle movie, when they're kind of in the thick of it, it absolutely feels like this Oregon Trail feel. Yeah. The sort of we're uh, all on our own, every man for themselves. But if anything, it's it's just been fun to rewatch. It's it's silly. The plot makes like less sense every time I watch it. (laughs) But the characters become more familiar to me each time I give it another viewing. Because they're, they're good characters. They're unique characters. I think it's just like you were saying, Casey, like, who are they going to sell this to? No one's going to buy a Randall P. McDuff doll, you know. It was I might. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. But no one, I mean, you know, not yeah. not the masses. Right. Um, and I, I maybe that was part of what made it so interesting, too, is the main character is a lot older, where these shows are usually geared towards someone a little younger you know like hey arnold's in what fourth grade yeah um third fourth grade you've got you know like or like foster's home for imaginary friends you've got the little kids like there's almost always someone younger that the viewer is supposed to follow um but here they tried to tell a more mature story i just think it was i can't tell if it was before or past its time but it was not mm. it was like wrong it was place. not for 2004 that yeah yeah i think you're right wrong place the wrong time yeah. but still still fun to pick back up if anything I, I just don't want people to forget it yeah because it, it really is a lot of fun and it's a really low commitment too if anything if you're worried about how long your netflix binge is going to be or watching an eight hour show this one you can crank it out in a little over an hour and you're done and then you're yeah. depressed <laughs> like me that it never became a real thing it's right. a fast hour too definitely highly recommend watching this one um, I don't think I have anything major to add. I think we could talk about this forever if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. We could get into each character for for an hour easy, but yeah, definitely, definitely worth the watch. Thanks, Josh, for uh, dragging us into it because I don't think we ever would have uh, fell upon this. Yeah, I'd never even heard you. of it, and I'm That's, really glad we watched yeah, it. Mo- most people haven't because it just never got brought up again. You know, it, mm-hmm. and. I know how much you guys like Craig Bartlett. I love Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold is by far like my favorite Nick tune. I love the things it brought to the table. So just fun sometimes following an artist, seeing what crazy stuff they make, you know, when they have to jump ship and try and change gears. And even though it didn't become this big thing, at the very least, it's our little secret. <laughs> totally. Well, with that, let's head over to our conclusion, guys.
All right, guys, our Twitter poll is, of course, party wagon related. Are you, in your everyday life, in the party wagon or the wagon trail? Are you more practical or are you just having a good time drinking that bootleg moonshine, whatever they're drinking? (laughs) (laughs) And all natural. Yeah, all natural, of course. Next week, you guys, we've got our 100th episode. We've got some fun stuff. We're thinking we'll do some uh, some lookbacks on the show and some fun trivia of the episodes that we've already watched. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Can't believe we made it through 100, and a lot of you guys have been here from the start. So thanks so much for you guys sticking with us. Yeah, it'll be the you're you're welcome. <laughs> it'll be the podcast equivalent of a pizza party at the end of the school year. You know, it's gonna be pretty casual, nothing too formal. But we've got some ideas, and you'll you'll see next week. All right, guys, we got a Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and an Apple Podcast page. Go check those out. And Josh, thank you so much for being on the show today with us. This was awesome. I haven't like really seen you since high school, so this was great to uh, catch up and you know to talk about these old cartoons talk, yeah talk about ancient 2004 <laughs> cartoons that's exactly how i imagine our reunion would be no, I, thank you guys for having me uh as always if you uh well as always <laughs> we do plug you every <laughs> you show seen, <laughs> yeah as, as is usual though. um if you haven't I, I mostly talk about uh nintendo stuff over on youtube and twitch uh both of those are the j wits t-h-e-j-w-i-t-t-z so while maybe not the same as cartoons i'm still very founded in that 80s 90s early 2000s nostalgia and we talk about a lot of stuff there but uh guys thank you so much for having me on the show this was something I've always really wanted to talk about because I, I feel like I'm going to go crazy if I talk to one more person who doesn't know what I'm talking about when I bring up Party Wagon. So now the odds go up maybe 0.1% <laughs> the next time I talk to someone. Exactly. They know that shit. Yeah, thanks so much again, Josh, for, for being on here. It's been a blast. And thanks as always for listening, and we'll catch you next week.